All right, praise God. How are you guys doing this morning? You sound happy and hopeful. That's the sound that I'm hearing right now. Happy and hopeful, amen? amen. All right. Well, we are going through the book of Acts, and, uh, but before we dive in, I just want to take a moment and, um, and pray um, Loretta and Sharon's um, sister-in-law, Doris, is going to be going with the Lord very soon. She's on uh, life support right now, and she's at that point now where they need to remove the respirator, and so she's going to be home with the Lord very soon. But can we just stretch our hands back to uh, Sharon and Lord as they're preparing to say goodbye. And Lord, we lift up the family right now. Lord, we know that any time that death comes, Lord, it is not, it's not what you had in mind. And there's always pain involved, Lord. And there will be that great day when we say to death, where is your sting because of what you've done, Jesus? But until that day, Lord, we all experience death once. So Father, as, as you welcome Doris home, we pray that you would comfort the family, Lord, comfort Sharon, comfort Loretta, comfort all involved, and bring healing, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, and we look forward to that great day when we together see death defeated, and we thank you, Jesus, that you've done that. And the, Bible, and the, and the, and the family said, amen. I'm not sure why I called you the Bible, guys. I don't know what happened there. I hope that that's not a little preview of how this preach is about to go. You guys want to stretch your hand towards me and pray for me? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Okay, we've been going through the book of Acts. We're continuing to do that. We're in chapter 18. Um, and uh, so I'm just going to jump right in. After this, Paul left Athens and he went to Corinth. And there he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontius. Are we up there? Yeah, okay. Uh, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and he worked with them. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I'm innocent of it. From now on... I go to the Gentiles, verse 7, <laughs> and then Paul left the synagogue and went next door <laughs> to the house of Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. Isn't that great? I, I love that. He's like, okay, guys, here's the deal. Now, as you guys know, when Paul would go into the different cities, he would always start by preaching to the Jews first. And he was honoring that we know that through the Jews, God gave the law and, and the prophets. And so we see the law coming through the Jews. Jesus Christ fulfills the law, but the Jews, um, their inheritance is to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ first because through the Abrahamic covenant and then through the Mosaic covenant, Christ came. It's pretty amazing. And so they first hear the good news. But then they get to this point where they just start getting abusive. And Paul says, all right, all right, guys. I've preached the gospel to you. If you're going to reject Jesus, that's on you. Now I'm going to go to the other nations. You got to hear it first. But now I'm going to go to the other nations. But what I love about this is he just goes right next door. And he literally, you guys, the synagogue was right here. It shared a wall with Titus Justice's house. So, he, I mean, he went right next door. So I, this, is, this is, I think, really important for us. Okay, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. You and I are called to preach the gospel to all that some might be saved. 
I'm going to say that again. We are called to preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of his kingdom that has come to all that some might be saved. And we, we get discouraged sometimes because the reality is um, there's this idea of like, man, if we preach the gospel, then all will be saved. That is not what it says. Now, God desires that all would be saved. So if God, get, God gets his way or got his way, then all would be saved. But you guys know that some aren't willing to serve Jesus. They don't want him. They don't want a savior. They want to be their own savior. And they refuse the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they refuse Christ. You guys, that, that is, it happens. It's such a bummer that it happens because he's so stinking good. He's, that sounded bad, didn't it? Lord, I said you're stinking good. He's, he's so aromatically good. But some people are not willing to die to themselves and follow Christ. That is a fact. But that's not on us, okay? Did you guys know that the gospel is extremely offensive to people who do not want to admit that they're wrong about anything? It's extremely offensive to people who don't want to have to have a savior. They're like, I don't need saved from anything. I'm already as good as I need to be. It's very offensive to people who don't want to stand before a righteous judge and give an account for every word that they've said and everything that they've done in this life. How many of you guys know that that's a pretty offensive message if you've been just cruising along ignorantly, basically believing I'm a really good person and if there is anything at the end of life, I'm probably going to go to the good place. And then somebody comes and says, actually... God is incredibly good, loves you very, very much, and he's very egalitarian. There is nobody who's better or worse. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Isn't that great news? And at first you're like, that sounds horrible. That sounds like horrible news because two seconds ago, I was just floating around doing whatever felt good to me and loving it. And telling myself a really happy gospel, like I'm a really good person. I checked with my heart. My heart likes what I'm doing. And so, you know, I'm probably going to end up in a good place. And you're showing up and saying, actually, you and me and everyone else has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we need a savior. But the good news is there is one. But that message is offensive if I don't want to die to myself. And we have to preach the good news to all that some would be saved. And that's what Paul is doing. And so he doesn't get like totally discouraged and deflated, be like, oh my goodness, they didn't all get saved. I must be doing it wrong. I need to go back to the drawing board and become exactly perfect and do everything wonderfully perfect in a perfect way that no one ever gets offended by. And if I get that, then all will be saved. And then I can preach the gospel again. How many of you kind of secretly, subconsciously kind of put that pressure on yourself? Anyone? Just me? If I can just do everything perfect, no one will be offended, everything will go great, I'll always get high fives and they'll always get saved, and that means I'm doing it right. That's a lot of pressure, guys. You're not the Savior. You're a witness to the Savior. So if that's you today, get, get, get encouraged. It's about Jesus Christ and the great news that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that if any would believe on him, they will not perish, but have everlasting life. And you and I are sharing that news and then inviting people to know God and be adopted. And some will choose to receive Christ just as we have because we are so thankful that he saves wretches like us. Amen? Y'all wretches, how you doing? 
look at you, you beautiful saints, redeemed of the Lord, but not because we're good people, but because he's a great God. And as we follow him, he forms Christ in us. Amen, saints? So we preach to all that some will be saved. I want you to be encouraged. I want you to grab a hold of that. So um, here's the cool news. So then Paul left the synagogue. He just told the Jews, hey, you guys are rejecting God. That's on your own head. I'm going to head out now and preach to the rest of the nations. And he walks out the door, and he walks into the next door and starts preaching the gospel. Here's the cool thing. Look at the next line. It says, Crispus, the synagogue leader and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. How cool is that? So the synagogue leader, the place he just left, he gets saved and his whole family gets saved. Thank you, Jesus. I want to remind you guys again, how many times does it take for most people to hear the gospel before they respond and surrender their life to the Lord? Anybody? Remember. 20. 20. My man Seth has got it. <laughs> Woo! Somebody give that guy five dollars. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> not one of you? Because the person that was going to give five, I was going to give them ten, but it's too late now. <laughs> Heck, it was a hundred actually, since I'm lying. Okay. Sorry. Sorry, Lord. I was going to cross myself. I'm going full. Okay. 817. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one is going to attack and harm you because I have made, I'm sorry, because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half teaching from the word of God. I don't know about you guys, but I get so encouraged by this verse because Paul is a ninja, right? I mean, Paul is, how many of you guys love Paul, right? He's so cool. He's just doing all kinds of miracles. He gets shipwrecked. He gets beat with rods. He gets stoned all the time. And not like Oregonian stoned, like with rocks where they throw them at him. He's always getting beat up for the gospel. And he just won't stop. He won't stop. And I think, man, Paul, you're so brave. Like you go into Athens and you're, you're dealing with the philosophers. You go into the synagogues. You're dealing with the, the awesome super mucky mucks in the, in, the, in the Jewish community. I mean, he is so fearless. And so for me, I sometimes feel like, golly, I don't feel that way. I mean, I'm like, sometimes, you know, you're just sitting on the bus and the Holy Spirit's like, start talking about me now. And you're like, oh, I don't, ooh, okay. Whew. I don't know. That, this girl probably weighs 97 pounds, she could beat me up. Like, you get so scared and dumb, right? Are you with me? And, and so I feel like a big lame and here's Paul, and he's there, and you know what Paul needed? He needed encouragement from the Lord. Do not be afraid. You guys, Paul needed God to tell him not to be afraid because Paul also was afraid, just like us. He continued to move forward and do everything that he did because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit told him, be of good courage, Paul. I'm, I'm with you. Don't forget I'm with you. And Paul's like, okay. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3, he talks about this in his letter to the Corinthians. He says, I was in weakness, fear, and great trembling that I came to you. It was in weakness, fear, and great trembling that I came to you. My message and my preaching were not accompanied by clever, wise words, but by a display of the Spirit's power so that your faith would not be based on human wisdom but on God's power. But Paul was saying, like, guys, when I came to you, I was trembling. I was so scared. 
Isn't that encouraging? And, and think about the, the, the ministry of Paul. Even though he got scared, he would tap in to what God was doing and let God encourage him. Have you ever, like, dug down deep because you're just like, okay, here we go. You get up in the morning, right? And it's like you got to go to work and run your business or you got to go to work and help somebody with theirs or whatever it is, right? You're going to go serve on the school board or take your kid to the hospital or school or whatever it is, right? You just get up and you're like, okay, let's check it out. How are we doing here? And you dig down deep and you're like, here, here we go and you reach down in the bottom of your soul and you're like, I got nothing. I just got nothing, right? When, you, when, you, when, you, when, you, when it's really on the line and it's up to you and you reach in and you're like, oh, I can't do this. Like, <laughs> I 100% cannot do, there's nothing there. How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? Where you reach in and you're like, if I am honest with myself right now, I do not have what it takes. I do not love people right now. I don't have anything to give. I don't want to give away. I think people owe me. Like, you know what I'm saying? When you're there, here's the great news. It's 100% true. You do not have what it takes. I do not have what it takes. In fact, Jesus said, apart from me, you can't do anything. Bask in it. Like, apart from him, we are not courageous. Attacking your enemy is not coming necessarily from courage. It might actually be fear that if you don't kill them first, they'll kill you. If you don't take power first, they'll take power. That's not necessarily courage. Are you with me? Jesus says, love your enemies. That takes a lot of courage to love your enemies. And you know what's not in there? Love for your enemies. So when you dig deep and you got nothing, you are really on a good schedule right now to say, Lord, I got nothing. I, I don't love my enemies. I don't love other people the way that you love them. It's not natural. It's weird. They don't deserve it. And I don't have energy for this. And in that moment, what we got to do and what we're invited to do is the same thing that Paul's doing is let the Spirit of God speak to you and say, do not be afraid. I am with you. And you go, oh, and you breathe in the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit. You breathe in the Holy Spirit and you let God fill you again. Like Paul says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit, you go, I got nothing, Lord, but you have everything. I have limits, you are limitless. With me, it's impossible. With you, it's absolutely possible. And you breathe it in and you take it in and you keep praying until you feel the Spirit of God come back and bring peace and strength and love. And you go, okay, I actually am starting to love them a little bit. Like, all right, okay, here we go. I, I've, I've got something. Not that I gave to myself, but that you gave to me. Are you guys with me? And Paul understood this, and he's hearing it. Okay, whew, I was in fear and trembling, but the Lord is saying, keep going, I'm with you. Paul goes, okay. And he stays in the year and a half. You guys receiving this? So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. Now the next thing that happens here is towards the end of the 18 months, it's on again. It says, when Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, do you like that? I looked up this, the, the sound of it before. Achaia, which I think maybe is the root of either the Achaia berry or Ohio. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. You guys look that up. The Jews of Corinth made a united attack on Paul, and they brought him to the place of judgment. This man, they charged, is persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. And just as Paul was about to speak, Gallio said to them, if you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to listen to you. But 
since it involves questions about words and names and your own law, settle the matter yourselves. I'm not going to judge such things. So he drove them off. And then the crowd there turned on Sosthenes, the synagogue leader, and beat him in front of the proconsul, and Gallio showed no concern whatsoever. Now, Sosthenes is actually written about later. He's writing a letter to the church. He ends up getting saved. Which, so, so, so one thought here is the reason why they were beating this particular synagogue leader, because, again, this is like 18 months later from when, uh, who was the last guy? that got saved. I'm just going to say the last guy that got saved. This is another synagogue leader, and he gets beat. Why were they beating him? Well, one, one thought is because he wasn't presenting a good enough case against what Paul was doing. And so they're like, you know what? Fine, then we're going to beat you up. The other thing is, is they're like, you're too sympathetic, and that's why you didn't present a good enough case. So they just beat up the synagogue leader right there in front of Galileo. And I was like, I'm not getting involved with the religious business. In fact, you guys work that out. And I'm going to just, we're going to just keep running, you know, Rome. So later, though, Sosthenes gets saved, which is pretty awesome. We don't, I don't think he was probably saved in that situation, but he was clearly on his way. Verse 18, Paul stayed in, on in Corinth for some time, and then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. And before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at Chencrea because of a vow he had taken. And they arrived at Ephesus where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. And he himself went into the synagogue and he reasoned with the Jews. And when they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it's God's will. Then he set sail for Ephesus. And when he landed at Caesarea, he went up to Jerusalem and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. And after spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, and strengthening all of the disciples. He went from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. That's a good word right there. So he, he's been doing this work, and this is the end of the first part of his missionary journey. So he just finished this huge missionary journey, but then he goes back and he strengthens all of the disciples. Now think about that. They need encouragement because these guys are in the middle of this, of this whole world that's going on. I mean, you guys have to realize they're, they're living and breathing the gospel of the kingdom. They're forming a community that is unlike any community that's ever existed in the earth before, where everyone is equal in the eyes of God. There's no female, there's no male, there's no Jew or Gentile, there's no slave nor free. Everybody is equal in Christ. And they're this totally diverse group of people in this community that is unlike anything else that has ever happened. Isn't that awesome? Did you guys know that the church is the, 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 the church of Christ is the most diverse group? It is not bound by gender. It's not bound by geography. It's not bound by race. It's not bound by language. It's the only completely fully diverse religion in the world. There are other religions, but the majority of them happen ethnically and, ge and geographically. The only religion that is truly diverse is the one that was birthed out of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You look at the, you look, like even with, um, well, I'm not trying to tear down any other religions, but what I'm saying is that Christ, when he came, even when the Holy Spirit fell at Pentecost, think about this. This is such a cool little factoid for you. The Holy Spirit falls, and what happens? They begin to declare the goodness of God in various tongues. Why? Because Hebrew was not the language of salvation. Greek 
was not the language of salvation. Aramaic is not the language of salvation. Christ Jesus is the one who brings salvation, and everyone heard about the good news in their own tongue. In Islam, it's Arabic. If you don't get it in Arabic, you don't get it. That's the language of God. Obviously, we know that that's an aberration of who God is, but what I'm trying to say is the gospel of Jesus Christ is for all mankind. It is absolutely revolutionary and absolutely diverse. Isn't that beautiful? Man, that was just for free. So he goes around and he's encouraging the saints. He's encouraging the saints. Why? Because we need encouragement. Just like Paul, we need encouragement from God, but we also need encouragement one from another. We have to be strengthened. You guys, the, 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 um, the incredible thing about the ecclesia, you guys know what the ecclesia is, right? We are the ecclesia. We are the, it was translated as church, but it is the called out ones. It is the people of God. Ecclesia, we are, we are God's active government on the earth. And he predicated that his ecclesia, his people, the power that we have is the declaration that Jesus Christ is Lord and that where any two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. That's the ecclesia. You and I have authority to gather together and say, Jesus Christ is Lord, and then to agree together. And he says, and if any two of you agree in my name touching anything, I will do it. Then what are we supposed to agree for? Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have to encourage one another, and it's not a solo sport. We need encouragement. We have to encourage each other in order to keep the faith. And Paul's doing that. He's going and he's strengthening the disciples. There's two points I want you to walk away with today, and it's this. We need to be encouraged by God, strengthened by God, and we need to encourage and be encouraged by one another. That's who we are. That's how we're salt and light. That's how we're the ecclesia. How many of you guys know that when we aren't connecting with other people in the gospel, we get off mission? Right? We do. There's just so many cool things going on as well as so many horrible things going on. It's very easy to get distracted and get off mission. And so we encourage each other. Keep the faith, baby. Keep the faith. Yeah, man. Woo, you are fighting an intense battle. Like, are you feeling real tired right now? Because you should. Because you are in it. And you're like, I am? Yes. Stay, man. Stay the course. You're like, oh, well, if, it, if this pain has a purpose, I'll stick with it. But when I'm just all on my own, just grinding it out day after day, and I'm not checking in with people after a while, you're like, this is hard. Maybe I'm doing it wrong. Maybe I shouldn't. God didn't. When he said I had to die to myself and take up my cross and follow him, he, he, he meant like, he didn't mean be hard, did he? But then you come into my life and go, dude, you're doing it. Fight the good fight. Stay with it. Love your enemies. Keep going. We need each other for that, don't we? I, uh, I have a little activity that we're going to do today to encourage. But, but let me just, let me, as I was thinking about stirring each other up, as I was thinking about agreement, you know what came to mind was the story of Jonathan with his armor bearer. You guys are familiar with this story. So they're in like an actual, I mean, our battle's not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers in high places. They were in a battle that was both. This was actual wartime. And so they're fighting an, an actual enemy. And things are just not great. They're super outnumbered. And 
they're just kind of hanging out, waiting to see what happens. And Jonathan is getting bored. Jonathan's my kind of guy, right? He's just getting bored. He's like, this is stupid. Like, golly. And so he says to his armor bearer, he says, listen, can God win by few just as well as he could win by many? And his armor bearer goes, you know what, Jonathan? I like the way you think. Do whatever's in your heart to do. I'm with you. That's encouragement. Like when somebody just goes, you know what? Yeah, what you said for Jesus, let's do that. Like he heard that. He heard that. It's like, can we win by few? Because God's the battles of the Lord's. Can we win by few just as much as by many? Because we got few. So let's do this thing. All right, let's do this. So then they lay like the funniest fleece ever, right? So they're down at the lower position. And they're literally between two rocks. One of them is called thorny and the other one is called bright shining. So it's like the blaring lights and the thorns are the names of these two huge rocks. And they're down on the lower ground. And Jonathan, and there's like a whole garrison of the enemy up there. And Jonathan says, listen, here's what we're going to do. We're going to lay a fleece. All right. This is great. And he says, if they tell us to come up to them, then we'll know that the Lord has given them into our hands. But if they say, we'll come down to you, then we'll just do what we're doing. Which is like totally fixing the test. You know, that's like laying a fleece of like, Lord, if you want me to stop doing meth, when I get there, have my meth dealer be out of meth. It's like, right? You've, you've really kind of set it up. So basically he's saying like, Lord, just let me just win this battle. That was a terrible example. I'm not doing that second, second service. But you guys, I'm learning on you. So that was good feedback, and I won't do that second service. Here's the point. They go, come on up. And, that, and they go up there and they win that battle because the Lord is with them. But it began where the armor bearer agrees with them and says, listen, I agree with you. I am with you. What's, here's what I'm doing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get behind you and we're going to go fight this battle. And there's nothing that can stop us because God is with us. So whatever's in your heart, let's just go do that. Let's go do it because I'm with you. Because you're on track. You guys, we need that from each other. We need to be strengthened. We need to strengthen one another. And so I want you to know right now, if you're discouraged, you need to be encouraged. If you're discouraged, you need someone who will give you courage and say, I'm with you. That's a good vision. You're in the right place at the right time, and you just stay the course. Let me pray for you. Let me put courage into you. Let's pray for you to be filled again with the Holy Spirit. But I agree with you that his kingdom would come and his will would be done. We must be encouraged by God, and we must be encouraged by one another. And we continue to share the good news of the gospel through word and deed that some may be saved. Are you with me? Can you receive that? Okay, here's the action step. Here's what we're going to do. All of you, take out your phones. That's right. I'm asking you to pull your phones out in church. This is not a trick. You will be texting. Here's what we're going to do. I want you to just take a minute and ask God. God who is it in my life right now that just needs some encouragement? They need some encouragement, Father. I just heard about encouragement. Who is it, Lord, that needs some encouragement? And then I want you to just text them a word of encouragement. You might have a scripture that comes to mind. You might just say, hey, the pastor just told me I'm supposed to encourage somebody. And you came to mind. So be encouraged. You're awesome. It's fine. Whatever the Lord would put in your heart. But I want you to just go ahead and do that. Now, some of you... You might have a word for somebody who's in this room, and that's fine. Feel free to just get up and go give them that word of encouragement. But the rest of you, we're just going to take, take probably like three minutes. You're probably already ignoring me, which is perfect, and already doing it. Awesome.